For too long, the fertility market has been bewildering, overwhelming, and frankly, I think has downright ignored the needs and difficult experiences of the people they're supposed to be serving. Ovum has made it their mission to change this completely. Now, I am extremely choosy about who I promote on this podcast because I'm very protective of my listeners and audience, which is why you've probably only ever heard one spoken ad like this before. So it's with complete confidence, excitement and pride that I can share this amazing company with you. Ovum care about you, truly. From creating products to support conception and fertility that are designed by doctors and backed by the latest science without cutting any corners, from adding access to meditations I've personally written and recorded inside their pregnancy test boxes, Ovum is founded by individuals who've navigated infertility themselves. I really couldn't be more proud to partner with them and tell you about them. Ovum is driven by the belief that everyone who is trying to conceive deserves better, and I am 100% behind this ethos. So head over to startwithovum.com and use code LIFERAFT10 for 10% off their tests and supplements. Hello, welcome back to Fertility Life Raft with me, Alice Rose. I am really cosy right now. I'm sitting on my bed. I've got a hot water bottle going on. It's raining outside. Autumn has arrived for sure. Um, And I'm really trying to embrace it. There was a time of my life where I would fight it. I would fight it. I would just go, no, 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 no. I want to stay in the summer, summer months. Um, And actually, in recent years, I've kind of really tried to embrace this idea of seasonal living which is where you just kind of sink into the season, whichever season it is, and wherever you are in the world, not everyone is in the UK who listens to this podcast. So wherever you are in the world, I hope that you are able to enjoy whatever season you're in. And it's, I suppose we could get a bit deep here, couldn't we? So whatever season of your life you're in, you take what's good about that season and you you kind of really roll with it you kind of go okay it's raining outside cool I'm gonna get cozy I'm gonna go you know chunky knits and blankets and candles and fairy lights and hot water bottles and I'm gonna I'm gonna you know ramp up the 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 hooker hook hikey hickey (laughs) I've never known how to pronounce that word h-y-g-g-e whatever that is um yeah and it's for me that kind of gives me this lovely warm sense of uh presence and living and being present and it helps if you can really look at what's around you or or, you know living within the season the nature around you can actually really affect how you feel if you're not kind of fighting against what's going on outside your window and you're going with it then actually you can have you can have some good times in the autumn and the winter. So anyway, I'm going to I'm going to do a really like clunky link into what I'm actually talking about on this podcast using that seasonal living idea. But what this podcast is about is mental health and fertility and loss. And these are three big, you know, pretty weighty topics. And what my job is as you know as as the fertility life raft host is to help 
talk about these things in a way that makes you not feel hopeless, in a way that doesn't make you feel like you don't know, you know, don't have anywhere to turn. And my guest today is an old school friend of mine, Emily. She has suffered with depression and anxiety in the past, and then uh, some fertility struggles hit, and that triggered everything. So I'm going to let Emily tell her story in her own words because she does it so beautifully. Um, And I do want to let you know that at the time of recording, Emily was pregnant. So if that is too difficult for anyone right now, then please stop listening right now. But I would encourage you, if you can, to listen and hear this story because I hope that it will bring you hope and I hope that it will bring you comfort and solidarity as well for whatever you're going through so the timing of this of course is you know carefully carefully thought through um it is baby loss awareness month and the day that this goes out will mark the start of baby loss awareness week and there is going to be a lot of content around loss baby loss miscarriage all topics which are can be really difficult to talk about but the more that we do talk about them the easier it is and the more normal it is and the less scary it is for both those who have gone through it but also those who are trying to support someone who has gone through it or even if you're not even doing that just to know that it happens and that people are okay you know so I try to support these awareness days and months because I know how enormously they can help and I also want to flag up a brilliant new campaign which is going to be launched on World Mental Health Day so if you're listening to this in real time that'll be tomorrow which is the 10th of October so on Instagram if you find Lauren FN and that's Lauren I-F-E-N and be like a buzzy bee underscore dreams they are launching a mental health campaign to help spread awareness about things that you can do to help yourself if you find yourself going through some funky mental health stuff. I really want to get behind these girls. I think that what they're doing is absolutely brilliant and I'll be sharing my own um, campaign post as well. So you can also find out about it by coming to my feed, um, which is this is Alice Rose on Instagram. So I doth my cap to anyone starting these kind of initiatives and you know doing their best to raise awareness there's a lot of people out there you know doing what they can do to help people feel less alone feel less isolated and connect and just you know be part of things so go and find the support you need it is out there it really is and I'm going to let Emily share her story now and I'll see you at the end so Emily We've been friends for so many years, (laughs) since we were 11. Yeah, we're (laughs) I can't do the maths, that's a long time. We're 36 now. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That's 20 plus years of friendship. Such friendship. And we've, I mean, yeah, we've grown up together. We've both ended up in London, which is great. Yeah. not far away from each other actually which is lovely and we've been on like really different journeys but Mm. actually what's been really amazing about what we've both been through I think has been this kind of reconnection on like a much deeper level than we had probably throughout our whole 20s because we were just 
figuring out our lives and yeah. kind of like doing whatever we was doing. You were being quite successful and I wasn't. No, I wasn't. <laughs> oh my goodness, don't listen to that. No, but you're right. It's been a very different different paths that we've taken, but actually through our, through our, I would say, tough struggles, we've, mm. we've become, like, our friendship has just deepened and... Last time Alice was at my house talking about when we were planning this podcast, I actually just couldn't stop crying because Alice has just been such an incredible friend to me throughout the story that I will tell today and share. They just, uh, you just can't put a price on that one or two friends who are just who just walk with you in that, um, and it just totally overwhelmed me, and it's sort of overwhelming me today because it's. You, you just can't put a price on it. It's amazing. It's Thanks, Al. <laughs> hey, man. No problem. <laughs> but I think, for me, it's such a privilege to be able to have done that. And I think it was, you know... And I, I don't feel like I did much, but I know that what I did was just just to be there for you, you know, and <laughs> and to just know that what you were going through was really, really hard. And... The way you know the only the only reason I kind of just knew how to walk with you in that is 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 because of talking. It's because, because of, of this. Yeah. It's because of this. It's communication. Because of hearing yeah. other people's stories yeah. and listening to what they need. Yeah. And so I'd really like to say that whoever's listening today, I can't profess to help people through their journey, but I can share my experience, and my experience is a happy one actually um it is a happy one i'm sitting here 20 weeks pregnant after a hell of a journey um i'm not a professional medic or anything but i can share my story and i can share my experience and you can take from it what you take take what you like and leave the rest um but I just wanted to start with that because I don't profess to be any sort of professional in this area. I just wanted, if if I can help one person by sharing how I've navigated my way through um, through my my struggle with my with my family, then um, then that will be gold, really. Mm-hmm. So thank you yeah, so much. Back. Thank you. Uh, and I, I mean, I I'm exactly the same. You yeah. know, we're not professionals. We're just yeah. sitting here. We're just Women who have been through something yeah, and yeah. talking about it, yeah. and, you know, and bringing it to people who, who yeah. hopefully can take them. Shining a light on it, shining a light totally. on, like, you know, um, looking at the ugly, really. Mm. Yeah, 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 yeah. So <laughs> let's let's get into your story, Em. Yeah. Um, sure. Let's start with, let's start at the beginning. So yeah. we'll just tell you, not yeah. we'll go through it just a little bit then. Yeah. So tell me your story. Yeah, yeah, my story. Um... I got married to my amazing husband Tom in 2015 um, and we met on a blind date, I don't know why I just wanted to mention <laughs> he's just, <laughs> against all odds, um, he is just amazing and he will come up a bit in this story, Good. I want to start Good. with he him should. because he, he, you know, he's just amazing. Um, <laughs> But after getting married, um, had that sort of honeymoon period, and then I got quite, um, I got kind of obsessed with, actually, yeah, I did get quite obsessed with um, 
gosh, must get pregnant. But then because I was starting to become aware of friends who may have, who were struggling with getting pregnant, I, I projected their whole journey onto my journey. So I immediately started the journey of wanting a baby, um, assuming that I couldn't have a baby. Um, so I, I did acupuncture and I you know, have struggled with my um, cycles being completely all over the place. So I was like, right, must do something, must try and you know, take control and do something because, gosh, I can't have babies because no one else, you know, everyone else is struggling. So, of course, I'm going to struggle. Anyway. <laughs> it's like the opposite to what everyone else does. I know. Because most people go into it going, oh, yeah, it'll be fine. And, and then they're like, like, oh, I know. No, this is going to be yeah. a problem. I was like, I definitely can't. <laughs> uh, so, six months passed. I mean, longest six months ever. I mean, I, I, I did conceive relatively quickly. <laughs> and um, and that panic was, was over. Um... I had a fairly good pregnancy, like zero sickness, like quite tired, but you know, nothing else. Come six months, I started getting very anxious. I um, actually had a sort of prenatal depression because I was just very worried about being a mum. I was like, I, I just, I freaked out. I was like, this is mega. This is huge life change. I thought I was ready. I'm not ready. Oh my goodness, my tummy's growing. Who is this thing? Just freaked out. Anyway, Arthur arrived, and ten days later, I don't know why it was ten days. It just it just was just ten days. I had this amazing midwife appointment. She, community midwife, came to my house, and um, we were talking about how worried I was. And the minute she left, I just felt this weight off my shoulders. I was just like, this child is amazing. I can do this. This is the biggest privilege, the best job I've ever had. What a privilege. Um, and so it, I've never ever looked back from that. Arthur has taught Tom and me so much. 18 months later, after Arthur was born, um, I conceived again, and it was really out of the blue, like we weren't even really trying. I was so surprised, really thrilled. I just started a new part-time job that was giving me this whole new sense of identity and um, sort of, uh, I've, I'd been at home for 18 months and I, I loved it, but I just knew that I needed something else. And so everything, this change, I was like, this is totally cool. Like this is all happening. And um, I then lost the baby 11 weeks later. And <clears throat> so I conceived in February and I lost in April. Um, what happened when you found out that you'd lost? the baby how did you did you start bleeding I started bleeding one night and we took Arthur around to some dear friends around the corner and we went to hospital they couldn't scan me because it was too late so we had to go back the next day um, so friends looked after Arthur again the next day and they confirmed in the scan that um, I think I remember the words there's no heartbeat I'm so sorry and she was so lovely and we just wept um, and then she just, she very, the sonographer just explained that, um, you know, I could let it pass naturally or we could schedule a, a DNC operation. Now this DNC operation, just, I'd never, I'd never read about it. I didn't really understand what it, what it was. She explained it, but it just sounded inv invasive. I mean, it is invasive, but it did sound just quite brutal. And I just thought, no, I want to let my baby pass in its t own time. So I chose to go home, I took the time off, 
and I spent a weekend just in horrendous pain. Uh, I think I was taking tramadol at one point. The cramps were so bad and I had no idea that this is what a miscarriage was because I had just heard on the grapevine, because what else had I, what else did I have, uh, that it was just a heavy period. Mm. And I sort of, I was, I was actually laughing with a girlfriend of mine who also had one of the, like way after we'd gone through the heartbreak of it, but just a heavy period. It was <laughs> so painful and so traumatic and to I was totally unprepared for the cramps for the bleeding. Um, and did they, when you were in the hospital, uh, so they, she didn't say to you, this is what's gonna happen when you go home? No, 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 she didn't. I just thought, you know, it's really early, it will just be a heavy period. Mm. So after that, um, I did have a follow-up scan and she said, you know, everything's, everything's fine. Um, I really struggled with, well, it was, um, hang on, it was five days after I found the bleeding, no, six days after I started bleeding, that the baby passed. And I remember I was just, I just went for a wee and um, just like really quite peacefully and un it wasn't painful. This, it just sort of came out and held it for a while. And Tom wasn't here and I didn't know what to do. Mm. So I popped it in a little cup um, and I just sort of said a little prayer and I left it there for a little bit because I thought that Tom and I were gonna say goodbye to it, we good to say goodbye together. Um, I really didn't know what to do with it. What do I do? I don't know. Anyone who's gone through this, really, who, who's sort of talked about it, I don't, I don't know what to do. How, how do I? You know, this is like a, a life. Anyway, that was really, really scary, but mm. I just brushed it. Mm -hmm. I just brushed over it, and Tom came home. We said a prayer, and we flushed the loo, and down it went. And um, and that was traumatic, actually, in, in itself. Mm. We live in a flat. We don't have a garden. I couldn't bury it, really. Um, anyway, I'll tell you what happened eventually to sort of um, do full circle and say goodbye. Um, but that was it, we, we were like amateurs like total amateurs to it so anyway that happened and I got on with life and I went back to my job that I loved and Arthur was um, none the wiser actually on this this occasion however the over the next six months after the first miscarriage I started getting my shortness of breath I, I do get anxiety I have had depression in the past um, I was being quite short with my family, um, and uh, were those your triggers? Were those I the think bits so. that were like, okay, I'm not doing well now. Well, I didn't know, but right. they did. Mm -hmm. So my my sisters are um, just best friends, and my best friends, and the, you know, my younger sister in particular picked up on things. And I was trying to ignore it and saying, no, it's fine, it's fine, it's fine. It's like, why is my breathing going funny? And, oh, God, I'm being, you know, awful to mum and dad. And um, it all culminated at the end of August. So that's six months after we'd actually lost the baby. And I had a mental health breakdown. And uh, September last year was 
just the most terrifying walk through um, through depression and the, it was all because I had not looked at the grief of my baby. So tell me a bit more about this breakdown. So yeah. you started having, so was it over a period of time that you were starting to get the shortness of breath? Definitely. Okay. And weeks. So, so over a period of weeks yeah. and then you start being quite short with people yeah. and then how did it kind of come to a head? How did it? Well, actually it, it, it really came to a head when uh, one weekend, it seems totally unrelated, but I think it was actually thinking about it totally related. <laughs> but um, we were on a walk by a busy road and Arthur snuck off whilst we were talking to friends we just bumped into and he snuck off and was walking along a, a road, a, a three lane road of traffic. And we couldn't see him because there was a bike, there was a, um, like a wall in the way and I just heard my husband say where's Arthur and I just thought oh my god like what that is like an absolute that's like uh, a lucky lesson really but that just hit me and I I just broke down after that and I couldn't I had very bad nightmares about losing Arthur and oh it was awful so that was the end of August and then beginning of September I sort of shut down and by that I mean I, I didn't want to see people um, I felt really embarrassed for being low I didn't know how to describe it to people I got really kind of anxious about going out and seeing people and them going how are things going like how are you and I was like dying inside, I was totally grieving from six months previously, but also this massive scare that I could have lost my only precious child. And um, and so my coping mechanisms, when I know that I was going down a hole, um, my coping mechanisms historically have always been to tell Tom, like to tell Tom and communicate and say, hands up, like this, this is happening, I'm going down. I'm going down to my hole. I go to the doctor, I get medication, and I start exercising. Um, and all that, those three things really, really, really help me. Mm -hmm. And I know that those are the things I need to do. They're really hard to do when I'm feeling like that, but, but as long as I share it with Tom, and then I can do them. And the, the fourth thing is that I just tell him, like, he's got to just hug me and tell me it's gonna be okay, like, all day. Like all day, all night, first thing in the morning, like bless him, when I was in my darkest days in September, there were mornings when I really, really couldn't do it. And he told me it was gonna be okay. And afterwards he told me he didn't know if it was gonna be okay. Mm -hmm. He didn't know. It was so scary for all of us. But he told me I was gonna be okay. Mm -hmm. And I and I was, and I was, thank God. Oh God, um, I mean, I just hate, I hate the thought of you going through it. I hate the thought of anyone going through it. I've got family who have been through depression. I have family who have severe anxiety. And watching people that you love go through really quite severe mental health problems is absolutely heartbreaking. And I know that feeling of 
Tom saying, you know, telling you that it's going to be okay, it's going to be okay, because I've done that too. And you're in your back of your head, you're thinking, I don't know, like, are you okay? I mean, and but it's the best thing. It's the best thing because actually, you you are going to be. Of course, you're going to be okay. You are. Yeah. And that's what you need. You need that reassurance. Yeah. You just need that comfort. Yeah. Something to hang on to. I mean. Yeah. uh, So okay. So. So you're going through this. I mean, how how are you getting up in the morning? How are you functioning? I've had episodes of depression before, like in my life, but there was nothing like this one. And I swear it's because it was absolutely underpinned by this huge grief, this enormous grief, because I lost a baby. We lost a baby. And because I thought it was such a normal thing, I just didn't register it and I just felt so guilty that I hadn't said goodbye properly went down the loo how did you come out of it when okay you... cool so the thing about medication and I'm talking about like a, quite a low dose of antidepressants um called sertraline and I I know that lots of people are um anxious about starting that um there are lots of like great natural remedies as well um I don't profess to know about but I've heard about them um they take time to work. The hardest thing to try and get through the days was just to believe that they work. I needed to know, and I kept asking my doctor and professionals and my sisters and everyone who'd seen me go through this, do they work? Is it gonna work? Is it gonna work? They do work. They are, they are, I am a huge, huge believer in them. I, uh, they work for me. They work for me and that really helped me. Mm-hmm. And. I'm so grateful for the people that make them. I'm so grateful that they exist. Um, I don't think I could have done it just with that. I have an amazing counsellor who I was seeing alongside um, this period and I I still see her every week. It's like mental hygiene for me. Like I Mm -hmm. really need her and and Tom's like, my goodness, we love her. Like every time (laughs) Em comes home, it's like she's just on cloud nine. Um, or not, or not, but it's all good, it's all good stuff. So mm-hmm. my counsellor, medication, my family, my family were there every single minute of the day. I have a sister and she was just on the phone every time I needed her and she just reminded me two things every time. She said, you're safe and you're loved and you're safe and you're loved. And I just thought, okay, okay, that's all I need to know today. That's all I need to know today. That's fine. I can get on to the next day. And the other thing that really helped me was night time. I loved going to bed. I love going to bed anyway. I'm mean, <laughs> such a grandmother. I will go to bed at, you know, same time as Arth if I could, given half a chance. But one thing about going through this um, kind of grief, depression thing was that bed was my safe place. And my elder sister sent me a kindness journal. And every night I had to write three things that I'd done in that day that were kind Mm. and three things that I was thankful for it was like the thing that I really looked forward to getting to at the end of the day and it really took me out of myself because it's quite you know you just think about yourself all the time I'm like I really I'm bored of thinking about myself I really need to think about someone else something else um so that really really helped me um and one really bad say my worst day um, my worst day, uh, I rung the Samaritans and they were unbelievable. 
and the never I'll never forget the lady talking to me and the line was so bad because <laughs> I was in Yorkshire at the time the line was so bad and Tom and Arthur were out for a walk I was like I don't know what to do and she was like I can't tell you when this will pass but I know that it will pass and I just held on to that and I got through it um, and I can't tell you every normal bog standard day that I have now from that moment that I started to come out of the fog I'm so grateful I'm so grateful for normal I'm so grateful for bog standard normality mm. and um, yeah when you rang the Samaritans what was the catalyst for that? Why did you ring them? How are you feeling on that day? I thought Samaritans were like for severe head cases, and I was like, well, maybe I am a severe head case. Okay, I'm just going to bite the bullet and go for it. And it was the best thing I ever did. Um, I'm so grateful to them. I'm so grateful to these people who give up their time to talk to people who just, I mean, they really helped me. And I phoned them back afterwards and I said, just so you know, you majorly helped Aww. one person last month. I know maybe lots of other people, but this one you really helped. Mm. I think that's so nice that you did that because oh. they probably don't get that many calls. No. To actually By the way, thank you. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> um, so yeah, yeah, and I just, I never, I've never looked back since then. I, I just, I'm so grateful to have got through that. And this was in October, and I, um, October, we phoned our vicar who got us who got um, who married us and we said we'd really like to say goodbye to our baby through with a service and we'd like to plant a rose in my parents garden so that one day when we have a garden we can take that rose and, and have our baby with us so we had a ceremony um, Tom and I and Arthur are, are um, Christians and our faith underpins everything that we do and everything that we feel and um, believe I'm and it was just a very obvious way to um, to look at the grief and to say goodbye uh, to the baby. And it was beautiful, sharp, sunny, freezing cold November day. And um, we we buried the rose, and I said goodbye, and it was so nice. It was Aww. such a relief because I'd been holding on to this grief. I'd been holding on to this guilt, and I didn't know how to deal with it but that was the way for us mm -hmm. that was the way to do it I wish I'd done it sooner um, I then conceived very quickly after that and I thought oh wow it's such a such a blessing it's meant to be of you know God is sort of saying you know you've let go of one so you know here you go here's your next one and very sadly 11 weeks later um, I started bleeding again and I lost that one but I will say that the journey and the heartbreak of the first miscarriage and everything that that baby taught me and everything that baby brought me through the pain helped us navigate our second miscarriage so much better. I actually had the DNC operation, which I'd been so terrified about. Um, but Tom and I decided we wanted the baby to pass naturally like last time and just to give it a chance and you know, there might be a chance it might just make it and the doctors were going okay you know we, you know we can't ethically we can't tell you to do one or the other so we just left it and I was still in hospital but I started bleeding so much that they had to use up our decision and I had to have that operation um I have to say for, for us that was the best the best decision um I just 
it completely rebalanced everything. I don't know whether something was left after Arthur or the other miscarriage, the previous miscarriage, but I had one cycle after that um, operation and, I, and I'm now 20 weeks pregnant. Um, I think it was a real blessing, um, something I was terrified of having because of the invasiveness and the, um, oh, the, but the hospital actually deal with it very well in the sense that they, you know, they do do a ceremony as well. So we went to, um, oh, that's nice. we, we went to a ceremony for that baby as well. And that's how we kind of said goodbye to the second one. But it was a lot easier the second time because I'd gone through so... I, I realised that I couldn't ignore it this time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, again, we kind of committed our baby back to their Heavenly Father. And we know that they're both in heaven now. And that is such a... I'm so, I'm so glad they're, they're there um, and that they're okay there. But I just couldn't really cope with not saying just sort of thinking that it was in the, the, the loo, yeah. you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was so much better to just sort of, that's how we dealt with it anyway, but... Um, I think that's amazing. Let's talk about your faith a little bit, because yeah. obviously like, we, we don't share that in common. No, that's not something no, that no, I no, have, no. and yeah. I mean, lots of people listen to this, oh. we'll have a faith, it might be a different faith, it yeah. might, might not have a faith, yeah. but I think talking about faith or talking about something that you hold on to, I mean, you know, that's that's your life raft isn't yes, it I mean a, totally. a massive part of it is, is your faith and, totally. is your, and that's been with you you know for it has been with me my whole life I have been brought up um Catholic and going to church and I used to hate going to church and I was like absolutely hated it I was like oh this is so boring <laughs> and then you know as life started getting a bit more tricky when I was like 20s I was breaking up with boyfriends I was like oh god I decided to get confirmed um and that was just my decision and I think because it was my decision and I was led there just through my own experience it, it, it was something that I knew was was right for me and um, ever since that point I've just become, I've just grown and grown in my faith it's such a it's so integral to, to my life and um, and Tom's and Arthur's but um, I think through the through the miscarriage and through the heartbreak we've lent into our faith so much more it's um, it's really helped us just trust and know that that nothing we could have done would have stopped or hindered anything that happened like we're not in control um, we all have a plan um, this is my my opinion my faith you know I, I do understand what Alice says you know not everyone believes this but my goodness like through the darkness it has strengthened my belief that something is looking after me something is just carrying us and walking with us through the pain so as it stands now you've said goodbye to two babies yeah you have one yeah and one's coming one is coming <clears throat> which is yeah. absolutely amazing i yeah. know that you're really passionate about talking about mental health yeah and about and i think it's so important to talk more about mental health and fertility together because mm. the triggers that can come i mean you know oh, often you find you have you have a history with with depression mm, and anxiety mm, mm. anyway but also a lot of people end up coming into depression and anxiety or other mental health issues because of their fertility which yeah. have never even been there before yeah so yeah. why is it so important to talk about mental health how can we help change the conversation why what can we do 
for anyone listening who's going, I think I might need some support yes. with this, like, what yeah. would you well, say? The, the, the overriding um, thing that I have sensed through living with this, but also coming through it and, and looking at it, um, and looking at other people going through it, um, is that there's, there seems to be this stigma that it, it's, it's something just quite embarrassing. Mm. It's something that is something to be ashamed of and like, oh my God, like, because you can't see it, it's something that you can't really understand. Um, particularly when people, as I said earlier, like look at your life and go, she has got literally everything that I want or mm. wow, she's so lucky. How on earth can she be sitting there crying all day? It's just something that's totally you can't understand it so it's really hard to explain and so I find that if people have got it then they tend to sort of shut down and shut away and Bryony Gordon is an amazing example of this like mm. get up get out there like go running or go and talk to people and just say I'm like I'm struggling there's nothing more attractive than vulnerability mm. I think the minute I started opening up and like telling a couple of friends that I was going through this, that is when the flood of love and support and oh, the the bastion of honestly the support I got from Alice, from friends that I just I thought I can't I can't tell them. It's so embarrassing. Like it's such a scary thing. Like no one knows what's going on in a brain. <laughs> um, uh, so it's the shame thing. I want to kind of. Mm. abolish I just think it, it's so cool to say I'm really struggling yeah it's so brave to say help me mm. and um, more often than not you'll find so many people coming out of the woodwork saying me too oh totally and, it, and that's what happened last time when Alice came round and we had a coffee and we, I just started talking and 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 she posted about it and I, and I got so many lovely messages from everyone and it was such. It just felt like, oh gosh, if I'd known these guys were around mm. last year, then I would have. Oh god, I wish I'd known, mm. because I felt so on my own. And particularly when trying to put on a brave face for work or your child or your husband, like, it's so difficult. Whereas just, just succumb, just, just, yeah, you know, surrender. just surrender to it, and um, that's okay that's really okay and you'll find that helps you more than anything yes. is to surrender to it and go god there's all this help out there there are pills i can take and do you know what they make me f they make you feel better mm. they are so fab and mm. um, there are counselors out there who really help you navigate these really difficult thoughts that might have triggered this um, episode um reach out say it don't be afraid you are stronger for saying it than sitting sitting silently there's nothing you won't benefit from sitting down quietly and not telling anyone that you're suffering from it um the floodgates of support and love you will get the minute you just tell at least one even one person will be the best remedy such a treasure it's tough because i know there will be people listening going yeah but it's just not happening for me and i and i totally totally get that but what my what i really want to just say is that despite the absolute crap, despite the sh days, it won't be like that always. It just won't. It will evolve. Things evolve and things change and things move on. I can't tell you when. 
I don't know how, but they will evolve and they will change in time. And for me, that's in God's timing. Um, and the good, and the good, uh, the bad days will be followed by good days. I don't know when, but they will be. Um, but this really helped me at the beginning of my journey when I started um, falling, I suppose. And it really picked me up. And it's a quote by Charles Haddon Spurgeon. I bear witness that the worst days I have ever had have turned out to be my best days. And when God has seemed most cruel to me, he has then been most kind. If there is anything in this world for which I would bless him more than for anything else, it is for pain and affliction. I am sure that in these things, the richest, tenderest love has been manifested to me. Love letters from heaven are often sent in black-edged envelopes. The cloud that is black with horror is big with mercy. Fear not the storm. It brings healing in its wings. And when Jesus is with you in the vessel, the tempest only hastens the ship to its desired haven. My enormous thanks again to Emily for sharing her story so beautifully and whether or not loss has been part of your story, whether or not you have a faith, whether or not mental health has been something that you've struggled with, to me it's about empathy, it's about understanding, it's about educating ourselves so that we are able to better support people going through this stuff. I would absolutely love to hear from you and I, I must say thank you so much to all of the people who went and left me reviews and ratings. Um, it, it, it's really a joy to see feedback so do please let me know if you've listened and if you've enjoyed this and please do share it with your friends, with your family, share it far and wide. The more people that listen to this and find it the more people we can connect with and support and share and help. Um, so screenshot your phone right now, put it on Instagram stories and tell other people to come and find this podcast and listen. And I would really love to yeah, hear from you if you have found it helpful. With all the love in the world to you, whatever you're going through, wherever you're at right now, take really, really good care. Fertility Life Raft is a Quidem Productions podcast. Mm-hmm.